For the past several weeks, we have been exploring Jesus' command to love one another. Last week, Dinah helped us understand the importance of forgiveness for ourselves and in giving it to others. And today we come to what Gerald Sister in his book, Love One Another, calls a mutuality command. Confession and prayer. These two spiritual disciplines are not easy for us. They are ones that we tend to back away from, as it were, because they call us to move beyond our personal preferences for privacy and to take into ourselves this intentional teaching that is about congregational life, about congregational care for one another. This discipline of confession and prayer is for the benefit of the whole community. And it is to be practiced by the whole community. If we will take this teaching to heart, if we will move into them without fear and seek to fully live into them in our Christian walk, we will discover a wonderful journey to wholeness of moving toward health, of healing and salvation. But maybe we are like the man who went to confession at his Catholic church. An older priest was the one who received the confessions, And he was not hearing well anymore, so he asked his parishioners to just write out their sins on a piece of paper and hand it to them. So the man rushes in to the confessional, and he fumbles in his pocket, and he pulls out this crumpled piece of paper, and he thrusts it through the curtain to the priest. And the priest takes it and smooths it out and looks at it and is a bit puzzled by what he reads. For there he sees written, two cans of beans, quarter pound ham, cans of Coke, bread, butter, coffee, fresh rolls, fish fillets. And he's thinking, is this a sin of gluttony? He doesn't know what to do, so he hands the paper back through the curtain to the man. And a moment later, there's this agonized voice who says, Mother of God, I left my sins in the supermarket. We are sometimes afraid of leaving our sins in the supermarket, out there where everyone can see them. But that is not exactly what James is talking about here. For Protestants, confession is not an easy thing for us. We don't talk about it a whole lot. We much prefer the wonderful congregational prayers of confession in our bulletins, don't we? I mean, they get at some specifics, but not enough to really get down to the heart of our individual sins. And while corporate confession is very, very important, and Gerald Sitzer talks about that in his book, Yet James 
is saying we need to love one another by being willing to hear one another's confessions and being willing to pray for one another so that we can be healed. In his book, Life Together, Bonhoeffer says, In confession, the breakthrough to new life occurs, where sin is hated, admitted, and forgiven. There, the break with the past is made. Old things pass away. But where there is a break with sin, there is conversion. And confession is conversion. Then, we can proclaim with Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Behold, the new has come. Christ has made a new beginning in us. Confession humbles us before God, and it opens us to God's forgiveness. And there really is something very healing about getting our sins off our chest. We all feel better, even though it may not be an easy thing to do. But we can do this when we come to another trusted person who will offer to us the love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. Now, the key here, though, is to choosing another trusted Christian friend or friends. One who can offer us understanding without accusation. Who can offer us sympathy without condemnation. Who can offer us concern and love without being shocked or ridiculing us. One who we can speak to and know that there will be confidentiality not gossip. One who will pray with us and assure us of God's love and forgiveness. I know that when I am prayed for and assured of God's unfailing love and forgiveness with another trusted person, I find new joy. And what comes to my mind is that wonderful picture of Jesus laughing Not laughing at us, but laughing with joy and praise and thanksgiving before the throne of God that we have come to him and cleaned out, left behind that which separated us. We need to have these trusted people because blabbing it out to just any and everyone is not the helpful or healthy thing to do. Now, learning this practice of confession is not an easy one. But through the years, I have been very much helped in my own growth in this area through my reunion group, a group of women who we have been on the walk to Emmaus together, and we meet weekly to encourage and help one another and hold each other accountable. And part of our time together we ask the question, where has your discipleship been denied? In other words, where did you sin this week? Where did you fall short of being the disciple that we are to be? And when we share those things, 
little or big. The others hear us in love. And they assure us of God's forgiveness and they pray for us. And it is a wonderful gift. We all need some group of people that we can turn to and seek this kind of Christian loving one another. Isaac the Syrian, who was a desert father in the 4th century, said, The man who knows his sins is greater than the one who raises a dead man with prayer. Wow. This getting rid of our sins is so important. And as David shared with us in the video, confession is like a surgery. It starts us on the road to recovery. But prayer, prayer is that daily prescription that ensures our moving toward health and wholeness and God's healing and love and salvation in Jesus Christ. But when are we to pray? James gives us three very specific times of prayer within the context of community. The first one is when someone is suffering. And suffering here does not talk about sickness, physical sickness. Suffering is referring to the social ills that come against us through our world and our society. Suffering comes to us in natural disasters. Suffering comes to us in difficult relationships or family concerns. Suffering comes to us in times of sorrow and grief. And the list goes on and on and on. Unfortunately, suffering is always with us, and none of us are exempt. But the good news, the good news, is that when suffering comes, we are to do what? We are to pray. Say it again. Pray. Pray. When we pray, we acknowledge that power and that mercy of God. And we acknowledge that God is the one who is capable of healing us, not we ourselves. And we can give the suffering to God. And we can trust God to judge wisely and righteously whether God removes the suffering from us or gives us the strength to endure. When we are suffering, let us pray. But prayer is also important when we are cheerful. Praise. When we come together as a community of faith, we sing songs of praise. We sing hymns of praise. Our choir sings praise for us. So often when good things come our way, we forget to thank God. We forget to praise God, who is the giver of all good things. So even when we pray, include your praise in there. Start with praise. End with praise. The Psalms do. 
praise opens a door for us. It moves us out of ourselves and on to God so that God can open the floodgates of heaven and pour forth the blessings. Do not neglect to praise. And even if it seems difficult, praise God anyway, and God will bless you. The final need for prayer that is mentioned in James is in times of sickness, and this is the one that we are most familiar with in asking for prayer. But James is giving us some very intentional instructions here. James is saying, don't just go up to someone and say, I have this need and will you pray for me? Thank you very much. I'll see you later. No. James is saying, summon the elders of the church to come and pray with you. Who are the elders? They are those persons in the life of the community of faith who we know are spiritually mature, who are morally sound, who have, ex- have experience and we know that they have wisdom and mercy and love. Those are the elders. And we are to call for them and they are to come and they are to lay their hands on us and anoint us with oil in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. James says we are to do that, that we might be healed spiritually, emotionally, physically. Jesus healed, and Jesus still heals today. And Jesus commanded his disciples to go preach and proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. When you come to a person, an elder of the church type, For prayer. You are coming to one whose prayer can be powerful and effective because they rely on the supreme authority of Jesus Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit. They do not heal. None of us heal. Only Jesus. But we can become a channel through which Jesus' love and healing can flow. Every Sunday here in our church, following every service, there are prayer ministers and Stephen ministers here. And on Wednesday nights, after our invitation service, our prayer ministers are available. They are here because they are trustworthy. They are spiritually mature. They have been trained. They know how to hold a confidence. They have God's mercy and love in them. And they're ready to pray with us when we need it. And I don't know about you, but I need it every day. We can trust them. And they will lay hands on us and pray for us and anoint us. And we will find that when we confess our sins and others pray for us, God moves in a powerful and incredible way in our lives and changes us from glory to glory into the likeness of Jesus Christ. The healing may not always come as we desire it, but healing always comes. My dear friends, it is time for us to put aside our fear about confession and about prayer. We need 
to move beyond what we think others might think and come to the one who loves us the most. By so doing, we will experience God's amazing gifts and blessings that move far beyond anything we can imagine. Confession and prayer remind me of the legendary two-pronged tree limb. Do you remember seeing that maybe in cowboy movies or something? You know, and someone finds this two-pronged stick and he's out there and he's searching for water. And sure enough, when the prongs of the stick begin to point down, water is there. And they dig and they find water to refresh themselves. To me, confession and prayer are like that two-pronged stick. Because when we use them, they lead us to the living water of Jesus Christ, where we may drink deeply from the fountain of life, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that worth the price of our pride? I pray so.